If you've got your Bibles with you, turn to Luke chapter 13. We're going through the Paraclesis, journeying together. And uh, today we come to the next word. We've looked at coming alongside. We've looked to encourage, to console. Rob talked about uh, exhortation last week, to exhort. And this morning we come to our next word, which is parakelio, means to comfort. Which means, which is in your book, it means coming alongside someone at the broken place and journeying with them to strengthen and build them up. That's the key, you've got to remember, to strengthen and build them up. Helping them to find healing, wholeness and inner fortitude. And this morning we're looking at healing and the title is Strong at the Broken Places, which was probably up there before. Uh, So let's read the story. Luke records this. On a Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues. And a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. And the AV says spirit of infirmity. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. Just imagine that for 18 years. When Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Then he put his hands on her and immediately she straightened up and praised God. Indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, the synagogue leaguer said to the people, there are six days for work, so come and be healed on those days, not on the Sabbath. The legalistic of them. The Lord answered him, you hypocrites. Oh, don't you just love it, the way Jesus speaks to some people. You hypocrites, these are the religious leaders. Doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie your ox or donkey from the stall and lead it out to give it water? Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abram, a fellow Jew who regularly attends the synagogue, whom Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath day from what bound her? When he said this, all his opponents were humiliated, but the people were delighted with all the wonderful things he was doing. I think if I'd been there, I'd be saying, yeah, go on, Jesus. Sock it to him. Sock it to him. Anyway, let's get back to the story. Comfort, the word comfort in Latin starts with com, which means with, and fort from fortis, which means fortitude or strength. So comfort means to come alongside with strength, bringing strength to someone else, to build them up to enable hurting, damaged people to regain strength and move on in life. It's the strong bearing the infirmities of the weak. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, Therefore comfort, parkelio, yourselves together and what? Edify and build one another up. That's what church is about, to build and edify one another. And the Greek for infirmity is feebleness of mind or body, frailty, disease, sickness or weakness. So let's have a look at this woman's situation. She'd been bound for 18 years by a spirit of infirmity, by a crippling spirit. Physically, she was a pitiful sight. She had a bodily affliction which resulted in an imprisoned condition and an infirm or weakened spirit. Jesus looks at her with love and compassion. He calls her forward to him. Note, he didn't go to her. Please note that, because I think this is very important. Jesus calls her forward to him. She came to him. And her coming forward, I believe, was an act 
or an acknowledgement of her need and an act of faith. When we ask people to come forward for anything at the end of a meeting, whether it's for salvation, baptism of the Spirit, healing, whatever, when you come forward, it's not to expose you here. What you do is saying, yeah, I believe God, Jesus, can heal me, can meet with me. But you have to come to him. Jesus will not come to you. We go to people so that they may come to him. Okay? Jesus wants you, he won't see that step of faith. He won't see that small step of faith towards him. She obeys his call. And you can imagine, she shuffles forward. You know, she was doubled up. She probably couldn't even see Jesus. She heard his voice and made her way towards it. And Jesus doesn't pray, but he speaks to her condition. Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Just says the word. Then he puts his hands on her and she's immediately healed. Oh, I would love to see that Sunday mornings here. We've seen a bit of it for more. But I think what we need to remember, this is Jesus. Full, actually full with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit personified. We're still living in a bodily flesh and we minister out of our weakness. He knew exactly what he was doing and was in touch with the Father all the time. We are not. But this woman was healed of a bodily affliction, her imprisoned condition and her infirm spirit. Some would say she was demon-possessed. But in Scripture, Jesus always spoke to demons and rebuked them. Here, he speaks to the woman. He speaks to the woman. Jesus lays hands on the woman. In Scripture, you never find Jesus laying hands on the demon-possessed. And demons always reacted to Jesus. What have you got to do with me? Who are you? There's an outburst. But in this situation, there's no reactions or outbursts. And Luke described her as having a spirit of infirmity. Jesus said, this woman that Satan has bound, not possessed, has bound. And the Greek word for bound is deal, which means to bind, tie, tether or chain. Loosed is not a word for cast out. Loose means to loose, untie, to free, to release. It's the medical term. Remember, Luke was a doctor. It's the medical term used by Dr. Luke for removing bandages from a wound. Be loosed. Do you remember when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead? He used the exact same two words. And when Lazarus came out of the grave and stood there, still wrapped in the grave clothes, Jesus turned to his disciples and said, what? He said, he is bound, Dio, in his grave clothes. The bandages or grave clothes were wrapped around him. Then Jesus said, you loose him and let him go. You take off the bandages. The problem is, when we come to Christ, often many people are totally born again, great. And we become new creatures in Christ Jesus. But sometimes there's things from our past that still have a hold upon us. That need loosing and unbinding and setting free. And we need to be set free from some of these things. All sorts of things. I've had them in my own life. And so have you. There's not one person in this room this morning who hasn't. Okay? Whether you want to admit it or not. Lazarus came out of the tomb. He received life. And he received liberty. Freedom. 
Christ came to set us free, didn't he? Which brings us nicely onto our next point, a human condition. You see, as you journey with people, you'll find that some have wounded or damaged spirits that need healing. They try to deal with the wounds, but the problem is the wound is what Trevor Parsley calls a weak place. And as you listen to these people, seeping through the bandages is a running sore from a spirit that's been wounded or a broken place. See, we need to understand infirmities. The scripture says, Hebrews 4.15, that we have a high priest, hallelujah, who is, is touched with the feelings of our infirmities. Now note, it doesn't say that he's touched with our infirmities, but touched with the feelings of our infirmities. I've never noticed that before, and I've read it loads of times. Because within infirmities, Trevor Partridge says, there's always feelings. I'm going to quote from Trevor Partridge here. He says, as I began to explore this some years ago in my training, I came across that fascinating word, psychosomatic, which comes from two Greek words, psycho or suki, which is for the soul, and soma, which is the body. I discovered when I came across this world of infirmities, the area of psychosomatic impacts in our soul, that the spirit has direct impact on the body. J.B. Phillips helps this translation, says a woman who for 18 years had been ill from some psychological cause. She was bent double and was quite unable to straighten herself up. A book that I read quite a few years ago was called None of These Diseases by a Christian medical doctor, Macmillan. And he showed how anger, resentment, bitterness, guilt, hatred, fear and stress can cause psychological Physiological, rather, reaction. Some of you probably know that I am now on blood pressure tablets. That's what happens when you plant a church. <laughs> but five or six years ago, no, it's more than that now, isn't it? My mother, who was living in America with my sister, came to live with us. When we got to the airport, there was an announcement from Virgin Airways. Well, please, Mr. Cowgill, the son of Marjorie Cowell, come to the Virgin desk. I didn't realise my mum had dementia when she arrived on our doorstep. We had a living with us for 18 months, which were, well, I won't say anything about those eight months, but there were, were testing times. During those few months that she came with us, my daughter, my daughter's marriage broke down and she ended up getting divorced. And at the same time, I was diagnosed with skin cancer. And uh, we were trying to plant a church. I went to the doctors when they put me on, and the, the Christian, uh, Sandra she's called, said to me, she says, no wonder your blood pressure is sky high. It was 195 over something or other. It was far away than what it should have been. But you see, we need to help people through hurts and wounds that come via situations other people or other things. And we need to avoid superficial assessments where we quickly stick a plaster or a bandage on the problem but never fully treat it. Never fully treat it. It's like Jeremiah. He said this. Prophets and priests alike all practice deceit. They dress the wound of my people as though it were not serious. 
Peace, peace, they say, when there is no peace. Saying, yeah, everything's all right. How many people, you know, don't worry about it. Everything's going to be all right. And you're thinking, no, it's not going to be all right. It's not you don't know. And people need to know these underlying causes that need sorting. This word peace means wellness, wholeness, completeness. And here's the indictment by Jeremiah. They in the house of God, like this woman, they declared the message of wholeness, but had not delivered any healing. They were more concerned about Sabbath keeping than her healing. Can you believe it? They were more concerned about the rules and regulations. Yo, no, not bother about healing. You should, you should be keeping the Sabbath. Oh, that's religion. One translation says this. They act as if my people's wounds are only scratches. They say all is well, but all is not well. So we need to understand what goes on beneath the surface. We need to look beneath the waterline. You see, all of us in this room, we're like icebergs. We only reveal the tip. People only see us on a Sunday morning. We're all bright and, oh yeah, everything's fine. How are you? Fine. We see things initially, sorry, they, they, we only see what people want us to see. Their observable behaviour. But often beneath the waterline, within the spirit, things are going on that we need to help them with to journey through. When we begin our journey with people as with this woman, we see things initially with our eyes. And as we go further with them and they tell us their story, we begin to find out that they have some broken places and a wounded spirit. The initial danger in come alongside is that we only focus on what we see or what others want us to see. How many people have been guilty of that here? Not just me, is it? No. Rather than understanding what lies beneath the surface, beneath the waterline. See, life is never simple as that, is it? And we need to recognize that all behavior is caused. What causes us to behave in the way we do? What underlying factors are there? Why is that person acting or reacting in the way they are doing? What is the underlying thing in their life? That is causing them. What are they keeping hidden beneath the surface? See, we need to acknowledge the broken places. Stuff, for likes of a better word, happens as we journey through life. Some is good, some bad, some is painful and hurts, like broken bones. When I used to play football, I, played, I was playing football when I was 40, 20 odd years ago. And I was playing for, guess playing for a team that was short. And before the game would even go into the game fully, I broke and dislocated my ankle. Went to hospital, they cut my leg open and they put a steel plate in with seven screws. Six screws along the side and one up the bottom. Not up my bottom, up the bottom of my ankle. Uh, and then I was in plaster cast for six weeks and then after 12 months, I had to go back to the hospital and have my leg cut open again and the plate and the screws removed. And the doctor came along afterwards. I was a day patient with a little plastic bag with them in. But when we moved here, Mary threw them out. She got rid of them. I wanted to keep them as a keepsake. I says, where's my plate and my screws? <laughs> she says, you don't need them anymore, which I don't. I don't need them anymore. But that plate and those screws journeyed with me for 12 months. Why? So that my ankle was supported and strengthened, comfort, 
with strength to heal properly. It was part of me. It was connected to me. That's why we need connection. That's why if you're not in a life group, get in a life group and get connected with other people in the church. It's very important. But there are other things that get broken as well as bones, aren't there? Broken relationships. 95% of all non-organic issues, that's what Trevor Parcher says, so I'm going to believe him. That is, non-physical issues have a strong relational component like people are broken at the point of relationship. Family, marriage, I know the pain of my daughter going through divorce. And how that affects and breaks and hurts many, many people. Childhood, friends, even people at church, etc. Let me say, people hurt one another. Intentionally and unintentionally. It's a fact of life, so we need to get over it. That is, that is life, okay? People hurt one another, whether it's intentionally or unintentionally. Then you've got broken dreams, people's dreams were not realised, hopes unfulfilled, broken promises. Those who thought life would turn out a particular way, but something happened and it didn't, and it leaves them disappointed, hurt or disillusioned with life or with people. You've got broken hearts, loss of a loved one, bereavement, maybe a miscarriage or childlessness. Someone who was jilted or betrayed in marriage. Or someone who may have had an abortion. And a spirit wounded. They have a wounded spirit of sorrow, grief and sadness. You've got broken image. Some are broken and marred by others. Some have a damaged sense of self-worth, self-identity or self-image. Some have been bullied, ridiculed, abused or rejected by others. Which has had a psychological and emotional impact on their lives. You've got what Jeremiah calls broken systems. He says, my people have committed two sins. This is God speaking through him. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own systems, broken systems that cannot hold water. That's Jeremiah 2.13. How many systems have people drunk from and found it doesn't satisfy? Fame, finances, power, sex, drugs, career or alcohol. They don't satisfy. It's only Jesus. Jesus. What about a broken body like this woman? See, there can be disability caused by all sorts of things. Physical abuse, sexual abuse, long-standing severe illnesses and incurable diseases and injury. You You see, seeing beneath the waterline, everybody has a pool of pain. Somewhere along the way, A pool of pain will have been deposited, whether it's a broken body, a broken relationship, or whatever. It lies beneath the surface. How people deal with the pain determines how they journey through life. If you remember in the 90s, there was a move of the Holy Spirit in this country, for people who don't know, called the Toronto Blessing. Our church that I was part of the leadership with at Penge was affected by it, and we had Uh, A solicitor friend of ours who was in his late 30s, the spirit came down one meeting and he was on the floor writhing in agony and coming out with just just pain coming out of his mouth. And he was there for about 20 minutes. And this went on, not every meeting, but a lot of meetings went on for about six weeks. And we as the leaders wondered, what's happening with this guy? What, What is going on? Is it something demonic? 
We weren't sure, so we just kind of observed it and saw. And then he came to us, it stopped. And he came to us and he shared what happened to him. And we said, would you mind sharing that publicly? Because it happened publicly, people looking on. And he said, no, I don't mind at all, I've been freed from it. And he stood up on a Sunday morning in front of two to three hundred people. And he shared how he'd been abused as a boy. And this, he's been carrying it for 20 nearly odd years, or nearly 30 years, the pain. He'd hidden it deep in his soul, in his spirit. Nobody knew. But he said God sovereignly came upon him. He was on the floor, and God was getting all the pain and the hurt of being abused as a child out of him. And that what was happening. And it was a visible, because we thought, oh, what's going on with this guy? But he was writing out all sorts of noises and that and writhing. And he was totally free. Praise God. This is our God who wants to set us free, who wants to heal us, who wants to heal wounded spirits. And he wants to release the pain and deal with that pain and that hurt. Wonderful. Wonderful. God had healed him of his pool of pain and he was now free of something that he had kept him bound for years. And he'd been released sovereignly. We didn't intervene. It was a sovereign act of God in the meeting and upon this guy. The scripture says that Jesus is touched with the feelings of our infirmities, the feeling of pain, the pain of a wounded heart. Jesus, Jesus is touched with those feelings. We need to identify a wounded spirit. The common denominator, Trevor Porridge says, of a broken place and pool of pain is a wounded spirit. See, pain comes from unhealed wounds, open weeping sores. Proverbs 18.14 says, The human spirit can endure in sickness, but a crushed spirit, who can bear? The answer is no one. We were never created to bear a wounded spirit. God gave us a whole spirit that we might have fellowship and commune with him. It's our sin, or the sin of others, or life's experiences, and our reactions or responses that damage and wound us. It's with us. It's no use saying, well, he did that, or she did that, or they did this, or said that. Responsibility is, what are we going to do about it? What are you and me going to do about what people have said or done to us? And the message of the cross is that God not only saves us and forgives our sin and has a purpose for our lives, but he heals the wounded soul. He is the wounded healer. We come to Jesus recognizing our pain and woundedness and we need to be willing to have our bandages removed and then we can journey with people to help them take off their bandages. See, becoming strong at the broken places... For a wound not to remain, it needs to become a scar, not an open sore. And a scar means healing has taken place. I've still got a four-inch scar on my ankle, just above, on my leg, just above my ankle. It's totally healed. I'm in no pain. I can walk, although my foot tends to stick out now to one side. But my daughter, who's a physiopathist, says they've done an excellent job with that, putting it back together, because it was... Badly broken. It's, 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 it means that a healing has taken place. The plate's been removed. I still bear the scar. But it reminds me of my beloved plate and screws <laughs> that supported my leg. 
and helped my ankle to heal. And Trevor Partridge calls the scar grace. Grace. Grace for every circumstance in life. God promises a corresponding source of grace. In 2 Corinthians 12, 7 to 10, Paul describes his thorn in the flesh, a messenger from Satan. Thorn means a wound and pain. Three times Paul asks to be delivered from it. God says to him, what? My grace is sufficient. The antidote is grace. He says, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. What he's saying is I'm made strong at the broken place. Not bitter, not angry, or resentful, or complaining. He says, I will glory in my infirmity, in my weakness. Why? Because his grace is sufficient. His strength made perfect in my weakness. Whether we're healed or not. My sister now should have been dead, I think it's a year ago or more. She's got terminal cancer in America. She's born again. She's a Christian. Kept very positive about it. She's still praying for healing. But except if God doesn't heal, she's going to glory. Hallelujah. So she's in a win-win situation. And we ring her up from here. And she does us good to listen to her. She's so positive and full of, of life. Don't know anybody, well, many people here read the book Joni by Joni Erickson. 17-year-old girl, just put you in the picture, those who don't know. Dived off a, a platform into a lake. Bang. Too shallow water, broken neck. She was a paraplegic from then on. God never healed her. She talks about her journey through asking God why and coming to find that his grace was sufficient for the life that she had. She's still in a wheelchair, never been healed. But the ministry that she has had, preaching the word to other paraplegics, is amazing. She's been all around the world. She started painting using a paintbrush in her mouth. She got married. And her testimony is amazing. A 17-year-old girl at the prime of life. Attractive young woman struck down like that. Why, God? But the people she's touched over the years is amazing. And God's grace has been sufficient for her. Been sufficient. She didn't get bitter, didn't get resentful, didn't get angry. Perhaps she was immediately, but whose fault was it? You've got to take responsibility for our own actions, haven't we? Many times. Failing to respond, Hebrews 12.15 says, See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. We can become bitter. We can become a victim with a victim's mentality. And none of us wants to be like that, do we? God has promised by grace for every circumstance of life. Turn to page 89, back in your book. It's not on your sheet, sorry, but I'm going to read it. Page 89, halfway down. Trevor Price says this, and I thought this was so helpful. Grace does not free us from struggle. It enables us to struggle well. Yeah? Do you hear that? Helps us. We're not free from the struggles of life. Like everybody else. Just because we're Christian doesn't mean to say we don't get cancer, we don't do this, we don't get that. Yeah? We're, We're subject to all the frailties and things that happen to everybody else in the world. He says, enables us to struggle well. Grace does not restrict us, it releases us. It is enabling grace, not something to be earned, but a gift to be received. 
Grace may not change the circumstance. Hear that. But it will change us and our attitude and our approach. See, grace is about changing us, how we act and react to the circumstances and situations that life brings us. And it will bring us, every single one of us. And forgiveness is a key part of grace. Colossians 3.13 says, Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Forgiveness is hard, isn't it? I had to forgive my brother, my former son-in-law, who abused my daughter and ended up with a divorce. I had to forgive him. I didn't want to. No, I wanted to go and punch him on the nose, to be quite honest. And I think I would have done if I'd uh, seen him on that day. But God has given me grace and helped me to get to a place of forgiveness. And that's what God wants. Because if I don't forgive him, it's going to destroy me, not him. We can't be healed of pain, but pain goes when wounds heal. And forgiveness is a healing balm for a wounded spirit. It frees us from the past. We need to forgive as we have been forgiven. It sets us free from our past, heals our wounds, and frees us from pain. What forgiveness does is liberate our spirit because unforgiveness binds us. When we were in CLC, we had a bookstore at Colin Urquhart meeting years ago. Anybody here remember Colin Urquhart? Wonderful ministry he had. And there's a meeting, he used to do these renewal meetings where there's remarkable healings happened and one thing or another. We were at this meeting and he told the story of a woman who came forward for healing. Her hands, and she was a bit bent up and her hands were like this with arthritis. She came to him and as he stood before, he said, let's just wait on God. And he felt God gave him the word unforgiveness and bitterness. And he said to this woman, before I pray, he said, Can I ask you, is there any unforgiveness in your life? And with that, her eyes welled up and a tear started to trickle down her cheek. She said, yes. She says, my sister, me and my sister fell out nearly 25 years ago. She's now moved to Australia, never spoken for 20, 25 years. And he said, he told her about forgiveness. He said, you go home. And he said, if you want your healing... You go home, sit down, write a letter or make a telephone call, then your healing will come. Two or three weeks later, he received a letter from this woman saying she'd done exactly as he said. And a few days later, her hands and her whole body began to straighten up and her fingers released and she was completely healed of arthritis. But it was the unforgiveness that was causing it. Psychosomatic, it's unforgiveness in her spirit. She was totally healed. You see, Trevor Parsi says, holding bitterness and resentment in our spirit is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. (laughs) Which is, I think that's a really good, holding bitterness and resentment in our spirit is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. Stupid, isn't it? Yet we do it, don't we? We're all guilty of it. You see, if you look at an oyster, when a piece of grit comes into his shell, it becomes an irritant, doesn't it? 
something that wounds, and it releases a soft liquid that surrounds and covers the piece of grit. And what does that piece of grit become? A pearl, doesn't it? Smooth and shiny pearl. And that's what the grace and forgiveness of God is like. Turning pain into a grace pearl and a wound into a grace scar. We need God's enabling grace that enables us to choose to forgive others who have wounded us, who have hurt us and caused us pain in the broken place. This is so we can journey with peeping, helping them to receive grace and become strong again at the broken places. Bringing comfort, bringing strength and the forgiveness of God. Going back to the story, back at the temple, with all eyes on Jesus, his eyes fall on this woman, he saw and then he called her, not by name, but she hears his voice. She gets up to the front and in this moment Jesus, those two things we said, he speaks freedom to her, woman you are loose from your infirmities. His wound, his words brought release from infirm and a wounded spirit. Jesus then lays healing hands on her body and as he touches her, she straightens up and is healed. Let me just say, as we journey alongside others, we can help them find comforting grace, strength and forgiveness through the cross. We see the depths of wounding at the cross. We see a saviour who was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. Everything that we suffer, Jesus has gone through. He knows what rejection is. He knows what people have said things about him. He knows everything that's gone through us. And he went to the cross to bear the ultimate wound, death, and be nailed to the cross for us that we might be healed, that we might find freedom and forgiveness. We ask in the words of Proverbs, a wounded spirit who can bear? The gospel would respond, only Jesus. He bore it on our behalf. And in conclusion, the woman now stood straight. She walked tall for the first time in 18 years. We don't have to be bound by crippling wounds of the past, pain of the present. We don't have to live at the broken place anymore. But we can be liberated. We can be set free in Jesus' name. We can become strong in the broken places. Listen, one day we will all walk tall. We will all be totally healed. We will receive a new, redeemed, imperishable body. We will live on a renewed earth in perfect harmony with our creator and creation. Whether God heals us in this life, it does matter to a certain extent. But the glory of it is we'll be totally healed one day when we'll receive a new body and live on a renewed earth. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians 1, 3-4 says this. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and what? The God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that what we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God things you've been through situations circumstances of life may have been painful but in a few years time God may use those to help somebody else who's gone through a similar already we have helped somebody go through a similar situation that my daughter did and we walked it with them 
and it was great. Let's, can we just all stand? Let's just pray. Father, we thank you this morning that as we stand before you, we stand before the God of all comfort. The God who wants to come alongside and strengthen us and heal us in those broken and wounded places. And I pray for my brothers and sisters this morning, oh God. Those that are going through, have been through. Those who have a pool of pain. Lord, those who have a wounded spirit. That, oh God, that you would come. That they would be willing to take off or have somebody take off the bandages that that sore can be healed completely. God, we come to you. We thank you. You're the God of all grace and all mercy. You're the God of all compassion and love. And we thank you that as we come to you in our need, Lord, wherever it is, you are there for us to heal, to restore. And we give you our thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.